sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. The Tampa Bay Rays are just one game away from the 2020 World Series. And also, Le'Veon Bell could be days away from joining a new team. What do you do with him in fantasy football for the rest of the season? That's what we're here to talk about today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizapia here on Fantasy Sports Today. Every day, Monday through Friday from noon to 2 Eastern, coming up a little bit later in the show. We'll get our injury report from Dr. Chow. And, of course, Joe Pizapia here with me discussing everything happening in fantasy, in reality, and certainly uh, the Rays is, is a pretty good place to start here. A great story here in 2020. <laughs> Uh, pitching in defense, pitching in defense, pitching in defense. It just keeps mm -hmm. happening for them. And I would say that uh, last night's game in particular w may have been the single best defensive postseason yeah. game for a team that we've seen in a long time. Kiermaier had two huge catches there. Renfro had a great sliding catch in the outfield, too. Uh, look, that's the difference, you know, especially in these games where you got some great hitters on the Houston side of things. They put balls and play hard, and if you could make those plays and rob what would be a double or a triple or a big inning and potentially just turn it into an out, that is that momentum changer we were talking about yesterday. That's what the Rays have been able to do so successfully all year. We also talked about yesterday, well, how far is Yarborough going to go? How is he going to be? Well, he was pretty darn good, wouldn't you say, when all things were considered? So it uh, looks like the Astros are going quietly into that good night for 2020, uh, much to uh, everyone's happiness for the most part on the baseball fandom landscape, I would say. But the Rays, man, they are fun to watch. Like you said, they play defense. They've got some timely hitting, and the pitching has been very good, and that is a perfect recipe to go sweep a series. Yeah, they, they have really played very well. What happens is after you play the Rays, you come out of there thinking – we're, we're just as good as them because we played close, and, and but that's what they do. They play close games mm -hmm. against everyone. I remember when they came here to South Florida to play the Marlins, and I believe they swept the Marlins, and the games were 2-1, to 4-2, to 3-2, to two, and I remember talking to somebody, and uh, you know, in the Marlins say, oh, well, you know, we were really close to them, and now I want to go back and say, yeah, everybody's really close to Tampa Bay when you <laughs> play them in the game. They don't win any of the games against them, and that's definitely been the case is, uh, Houston is up against it. We've only seen one team win four straight in the American League Championship Series. That was the Boston Red Sox in 2004. So Astros mm. certainly have their work cut out for them. All right, let's get to our headlines here on Fantasy Sports today. We'll start off not only with some baseball, also with some football as well. The first Tuesday night football game, I believe the second time in 80 years, something like that, that was played last <laughs> night. And it really was not uh, close. Uh, it was close for me in fantasy. went right down to the final play of the game. Thank goodness Tannehill threw that ball to Smith and not uh, Brown, or, or else I would have lost. I mean, Brown had a monster game. But uh, mm -hmm. either way, yeah, Tennessee pretty much dominated start to finish in this one. So from a fantasy interest, good to watch. Uh, wagering interest, not so much. It was just all Tennessee for sure. Uh, Rays, uh, as we mentioned, they had a big sixth inning, couple of errors, of course. We'll get into that as well. Jose Altuve has had his issues at second base. I wonder what that will look yeah. like going forward. They're up 3 nothing. They'll play later today. The Dodgers trailed very big very early in this one and came all the way back almost to tie, but they did not, and the Braves now lead the series two games to none. So, of course, the Dodgers are now 
really up against it, although they do stand a chance, clearly. All they have to do is win one game to get right back in this, but we'll see what happens later tonight. Le'Veon Bell was released by the Jets, and they couldn't get one cent for him. Unsurprised there. It's just the nature of running backs in the NFL. May still be good, may not be good. Don't, no one really knows for sure. We haven't seen him viable in years, so we'll have to see what happens with Bell and where he ends up. And unfortunately, my Florida Gators had five players test positive for COVID-19. They're supposed to play LSU this Saturday. But it's not looking great. Their head coach, Dan Mullen, just had his press conference about 30 minutes ago. And when they get their results back today, they'll determine whether or not they can play against LSU this week. So uh, not great, but that is the nature of sports this year for sure, Joe. So a lot to get into here on the program today. Where do you want to start? Well, it's the nature of the world right now. So hopefully, first and foremost, everyone's healthy and okay. This COVID is no joke. You know, I know sometimes we have to have some levity here every now and then because so much craziness. But in reality, it's such a real thing. It's and look, it can happen to anybody anytime, even if you're taking precautions. So try to take your precautions out there. But look, yesterday, uh, somebody should have taken more precautions against Derrick Henry because uh, whenever we turn into October, it becomes Derrick Henry season. You know, it's it's like, you know, pumpkin spice lattes and Derrick Henry running over guys. And it's my favorite thing. I just love it. The leaves change. And he is just, you know, that, that moment where he's pushing Norman out of the way that obviously went viral on the internet and just, you know, face planted him basically into the ground. That was pretty much summed up this game for me. Like That's what this felt like. That felt like the Titans just basically, uh, it was a metaphor for that moment right there. And that's what they did to the Buffalo Bills. A.J. Brown back healthy was huge for fantasy owners. We've been waiting for him for five weeks. We finally got an A.J. Brown game, and he was terrific. Johnny Smith continues to be awesome. And Ryan Tannehill, what a story about a guy that basically people gave up on. And got his second life. And I love these kind of stories in sports. I love the redemption stories. And there was a lot of people talking about, well, maybe Tannehill was kind of a fluke last year and the things he was able to do. I don't know, man. He looked pretty good in that game. He made some big plays when he needed to, certainly. And uh, I think, in a way, this loss is not a terrible thing for Buffalo. Yes, every loss is a big deal in the NFL. But I think for a team that was kind of already riding high, maybe reading their press clippings a little bit, they've got a couple gig games coming up against the Patriots pretty soon in their own division. You handle those two games, you still control this division. So for me, maybe this is a blessing in disguise for the Bills to get checked early in the season so they go, okay, we're not going to roll everybody because they did play some weaker teams on the schedule already. Maybe just maybe kind of reassert yourself a little bit, and Josh Allen and company will get back on track. So that's kind of the big takeaways there for me, Craig. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, for me, I didn't want to watch one second of the game, but then unfortunately Brown scored a touchdown early, and then I looked at the score in my game, and I'm like, oh, no, like I'm going to have to watch this tonight. And so uh, tuned in, and basically the opponent was down a point for an, a quarter and a half and couldn't get that final point from A.J. Brown. Oh, wow. So it was worth watching in the end, but a very tough way to watch a, a set in fantasy for sure. We'll have our recap from Fantasy Standouts in that next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today, SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. That's your spot, 24 hours a day for fantasy news, wagering news, and a little bit of everything else. If you want to check us out on our website, SportsGrid.com. Just a quick note before we get to our fantasy standouts, 
for today, which of course are from last night. Melvin Gordon running back on the Denver Broncos, according to several reports out of the Denver area, have him uh, getting a DUI uh, overnight last night. Uh, certainly at this point, uh, status unclear for this week, but in all likelihood, players can play while these sort of things are going on. So, Joe, I don't think that this is something that happens immediate, but I suppose if some reason someone covers him in terms of dynasty could affect him for two games at the end of this year, maybe next year, something like that. But just once again, it kind of shows you that it's just so hard to police guys in the NFL, you know, in all sports, really. Anywhere. In general, they're yeah. going to do what they want to do. And that's just, that's just the bottom line. It, it is. It's tough. And from a fantasy perspective too, it's right when Philip Lindsay is apparently getting healthy too. So the Denver Broncos could take it upon themselves to discipline Gordon too. Let's not lose sight of that. Sure. The league could and sure, you know, the legal system could, but at the same time, Denver could take something into their own hands and say, yeah, this is conduct that's not becoming and, and make a statement here. And we've seen some organizations do that in the past. We'll see what happens there. They've got a big game, obviously, on the road this weekend. Uh, they're supposed to get Drew Locke back, possibly, for this game as well against the New England Patriots. So this is certainly not the way I think you want to go to New England with some uncertainty here with Gordon. Uh, but if Lindsay's on the waiver wire and you're a Gordon owner, I would absolutely be looking to pick him up right now. I know it's waiver wire Wednesday. He wasn't on this original waiver wire, but check the percentages, see if for some reason he's been dropped over these few weeks, because if he is, there might be an opportunity for him this week. Again, if not this week, maybe in the future in the next couple of games. All right, let's take a look at the fantasy standouts from the football game first last night between Tennessee and Buffalo. We'll run through these quick. Josh Allen, probably the toughest game that he's had thus far this season. 263 in the air, 18 rushing yards, but two picks, two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill had four combined touchdowns and one rushing, three passing, 21 of 28, 195, also 42 rushing yards. He really... Has, uh, has has been great for Tennessee, and the Titans are undefeated. Uh, Derrick Henry had a tough time. 19 carries, 57 yards. He actually was better later in the game than he was earlier. Mm-hmm. didn't catch anything either, but fortunately for him, the volume was there for the touchdowns, and so certainly you'll take your 20 fantasy points any day of the week. Uh, <laughs> TJ Yeldon out of nowhere. Seven carries, 52 rushing yards, and, and also got open in the back of the end zone for a touchdown on sort of a busted play. And, and Yeldon all of a sudden may be a factor now in that backfield. Who knows? Stephon Diggs, 10 catches, 106 receiving yards, another 20-point day for him. A.J. Brown, a huge first half. In total, seven receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown. And then Jonu Smith also scored two touchdowns and did score one very late in the game where uh, where Tannehill looked like he was going to run, and then he threw it to him in the end. And I was very happy for that, and that it was not A.J. Brown, or else it would, this would have not been a happy day for me going into the show today. So that's for sure. Well, I'm glad. I like a happy Craig Mish for two hours. I don't like the grumpy one. It's no fun. Actually, no, I take that back. Sometimes the grumpy Craig Mish can be fun, too. But I'm glad for you. It was a big W. W's matter. Uh, I'll tell you what else matters, too, is that Stefan Diggs game log, because the consistency there this year has been staggering. The guy's getting a ton of targets. He's converting them. He's catching balls. He's getting touchdowns to uh, look. I know if you don't want to take too many things out of a loss, but look, 10 for 108 is a big day for Stefan Diggs. Even in a loss like that is a huge fantasy day. That's what we care about here. And it's fascinating to see the difference in the up and down game log from the previous seasons with the Vikings to what we're seeing here in Buffalo. And I think it's great. I think it makes you feel great about him going into next year, potentially too, with Josh Allen. And like I said in the last segment, I don't want to harp on it, but I think that Josh Josh Allen and company, this is collectively a good thing here once in a while to kind of get checked a little bit. And we'll see how they respond now going forward. As far as uh, the Titans, great for them to get back on track. There were a lot of questions how they would come out for this game. Well, they came out ready. Tannehill came out ready. 
AJ Brown's back and healthy. And next week they have a great matchup, or actually in a couple days basically for them now that it was a Tuesday night game, have a great matchup against the Houston Texans who give up a ton of run yards, one of the highest uh, run yard percentages in the league. It's going to be Derrick Henry season again. I'm telling you right now, we're starting to turn that page into Derrick Henry season. That's exciting. And I think right now the Titans are looking at this division and say, hey, we're healthy right now. We're back playing games. we got a real shot here to go back into the playoffs and make a run. And I think the rest of the AFC should be a little afraid of the Titans. All right, let's move over to baseball and start off with the National League Championship Series game yesterday. Ian Anderson was very wild but got through this thing. Four innings pitched, five strikeouts, no earned runs. He's got a scoreless streak going now at this point. And this prospect has really come through for Atlanta in the postseason for sure. Speaking of coming through, Freddie Freeman, another home run. Three RBIs mm. for him. Probably ends up the MVP in the National League. Ozzie Albies came through too. Three hits, a home run, two RBIs. On the L.A. side, they homered as well. One from Corey Seager. He drove in four runs. And a lot of the damage that L.A. had was late in the game. And so they, they did almost come back. They had a runner on third in the ninth inning with two outs, but they couldn't bring him home. Uh, on the Houston side, Jose Altuve's offense was great. His defense was not, and that's certainly the subject of a lot of discussion today mm -hmm. on, on why he can't throw to first base. Very odd, for sure. Two hits for him, a run and a walk. Josh James came in relief and kept them in the game. Two innings pitch, three strikeouts, nothing else across the board. Joey Wendell, great defense, great offense, two hits, two RBIs, and a run. And Hunter Renfro got a hit, drove in two runs, also made a great diving catch there in the end. So uh, the Braves, look, at this point, there, there's two subjects, I think, in baseball. Uh, the, the main subject, of course, is the Rays looks like they've won this series. But what in the world with Jose Altuve, Joe? This is well, scary because, again... Yeah, you know, we've, we've seen, seen it with Chuck Knobloch, we've base. seen it with Steve Stacks, we've yeah. seen it with some second right. baseman there, and that was just two off the top of my head. I'm sure if we think hard enough, we can find another one. But we've seen it with athletes too sometimes, where they just get the yips or it gets become a mental thing. And remember with Chuck Knobloch, it was the same simple thing. Just throwing the ball to first base, and if you're at second base, that is the shortest distance in the entire infield. But I, I don't know. It seems to be like just a mental thing right now for Altuve. And look, I think right now, I think Houston is just spent. They just seem mentally spent, physically spent. It was a difficult 60-game season for them. Heading into the season, they had a lot of negativity surrounding them, and I think everything has finally just collapsed. I think they did a great job in the last series, you know, getting through everything and, and showing what they're made of. But at the end of the day, right now, they're facing a team that is just simply outplaying them on all three levels and i think that's just that's it that's why you're looking at a 3-0 deficit right now and as far as freddie freeman and the braves go hey freddie freeman is definitely in that conversation for mvp we'll see if that comes to fruition we talked about him at the beginning of the season as one of those contenders for that thing but i'll tell you what let's not forget how big ozzy alby's been the last two games too back-to-back -to -back days with dingers hitting balls into the bullpen so mark melanson can catch him and the dodgers did make this interesting at the end so i don't want to count the dodgers out here completely because they took them to the limit here, 8-7 at the very end there, and they had a guy on third, and then all of a sudden, obviously, they got that last out. But, you know, when you have the kind of firepower they do in that lineup with guys like Max Muncy and, and guys like Bellinger and guys like Betts, and, you know, there's a bunch of dudes in that lineup you can count on offensively. I don't think you could ever count the Dodgers out. I wonder, do you think mentally losing Kershaw took a little edge off the Dodgers early in this game, and it took them a while to kind of get back into it? It, maybe that could be the case. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. Seems seems reasonable to think that. Uh, it would be really good if the Dodgers were able to announce before the game today that Kershaw is starting tomorrow. I think that would give them a big lift if they could say mm -hmm. that. 
and let it, and let their team know basically, hey, you guys just have to get through today, and then we got our guy tomorrow. Because make no mistake about it, if they lose today, I mean, I, don't, I don't see any way that I see the Do- I can see the Dodgers coming back and winning this series right now. But once you're down three zero, it's it just becomes almost tough. impossible. Is so, it really the last three zero team was the 0-4 Red Sox? That's the last time we've had it. The only team. The only team is the wow, yeah. I keep thinking about the O2s, and I got a bunch of them in my head. I know the '86 Mets did that, and a few other teams did that. I think the Red Sox actually that year against in '86 against the uh, Los Angeles Angels did that, or the Anaheim Angels back then. But yeah, I mean, O3, I mean, that's just usually that's just done. Um, wow, that would be a, a stunning comeback, but unlikely. So yeah, huge game yeah, today for the I, Dodgers. I don't know if I see any team doing that. And Atlanta is built to to not lose three games in a row. So basically, that's mm-hmm. what it would be. Like even if LA goes down three zero, they bring Kershaw back, he wins. And what are the odds that the Braves are going to lose three straight games after that? I just, uh, it, it seems. And you know what, Craig, it wasn't a perfect that. start for Ian Anderson yesterday. Clearly not perfect, but. At the end of all things, when you look up and you see how many runs he gives up and it's a big fat zero, I think you'll take that despite the wildness, despite everything going on. So good job by the kid going out there without his best stuff necessarily and still getting a W out there for the team. He's only got a month of big league experience. To be in this spot is incredible, and, and no one would have had him pitching in this spot three months ago, but here we are. Braves have done a really good job in development. Good question. Chris has got the update next, so make sure you stay on the grid. Then we'll be back with some stats and fantasy. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today, SportsGrid, SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. Now, the one thing that I just didn't like growing up was having to do math. I was not a good math student. (laughs) I was very poor at it. In fact, in I think it was either junior high or high school, I actually failed uh, a course. I mean, I had to go to summer school because I was so bad. At math, I think it was geometry that I failed, and then I had to go back. Me now I did end up I was getting not good in geometry. Yeah, that was that was the so, one. That well, no good. And here's the thing: being the if son of an architect, my here. father was very depressed by that. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to do math here, Joe, you're going to have to take the reins here and make sense of this because this is very important for fantasy. You can get a better understanding as to how things work. But there's a lot. I'm into percentages. That's for sure. I'm a big percentage guy, mm-hmm. and I like to use percentages to predict the outcome of a lot of different things. But this is going to hurt my head here a little bit, so I'm going to let you take the reins of this one, and I'll see if I can. <laughs> well, look, I, I understand, and I'm not the guy in the fantasy community that wants to overload you with saber metrics and overload you with the deep stats where you can't use them. I like applicable math. I like simple math. You know, simple math like adding on base percentage and slugging and creating OPS. You know, it sounds like it's a very simple addition, right? But it means so much in the baseball community, right? That really gives you an idea of the impact a player has. And what I'm trying to do here is give you an impact of what the season looks like in the NFL so far. Because after the first week or two, it's really difficult. You can't really get a gauge on anything. You need a bigger sample size. And now after five weeks of a season, we have that sample size and we have a better idea of what teams really look like. So we're going to start to look at is here is how these offenses are running and how they might have to change how they're running because of some of the recent 
injury. So let's start with the Dallas Cowboys here because it's to nobody's surprise because how bad that defense is. Nobody throws the ball more than the Dallas Cowboys, right? 45% of the game, they are throwing the football. That's a target share of their game. It's unbelievable. Now, what's the breakdown on that? 64% of the time, it's going to the wide receivers, and they have a great wide receiving core, so no surprise there. 17% to the tight end, 13 to the running back. So what this tells you is a little bit, well, Ezekiel Elliott could probably stand to get a little bit more action there because he got more action in that game last year in the passing game. And with Andy Dalton, you might see a little bit more of that. He doesn't have quite the arm strength that Dak Prescott does at this stage of his career. Now, the other thing to look at is what's the inverse here and a team like the Baltimore Ravens. Now, that team is last in targets per game. We know that the Ravens always want to run the football and run the football. But they are dead last year. They throw the ball just 26% of the time. And that's something you have to keep in mind, that that is going to cap Andrews, uh, Marquise Brown, uh, even Lamar Jackson to a certain extent, if they don't start to get that number up a little bit. 61% of those targets are going to the wide receivers, 16 to the tight end, and 22 to the running back. But but uh, Craig, this is kind of the, the cavern between these two teams. One of these teams has to kind of maybe start looking a little bit at diversifying the offense now that they have a different quarterback. And the other one, to start maybe running the football and the offense more efficiently, maybe it's better that they start to throw the ball a little bit more. So that's what I'm trying to show here and how you might be able to use this to your advantage or maybe to your advantage when you're playing against these kind of offenses. Right. So 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 out of these two teams here, in terms of looking at the numbers and then picking a target out of it, uh, look, with Dallas, Joe, it's a little, you know, I think those numbers are great for the first five weeks, but are they applicable moving forward? I think right. that's the question that's that the has question. to be asked. And, I, and yeah. I think what you want to do is look at what happens this week with Andy Dalton. I know it's only one game, but when you step back and look at the percentages, if these hold to a certain extent, then I think you feel really good about CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and all these guys. If all of a sudden you see that tight end and running back numbers shoot up and all of a sudden things start to even out, I would be very afraid of what the second half could look like for guys like CeeDee Lamb and Gallup specifically. Yeah. And with the Ravens, look, it's a lot of it is game flow too. If if they're up big sure. in games like they were last week, then that's you know kind of gonna be their MO. Uh, hopefully they'll get involved in some shootouts this year. It seems like every team eventually is getting involved in them, but thus far it really hasn't happened for Baltimore. Okay, now let's take a look at the Arizona Cardinals, Joe, and it looks like they are just, at least Kyler Murray, is just focused in on one guy for the most part this year. Yeah, he is, and I think this is the thing to point out here. A lot of us were looking, well, Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald and Isabella and all these other guys. No, this offense is very simple right now, and the numbers show you. It is Kyler Murray running the ball, is Kyler Murray throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, okay? So when you're looking at these stats, they're the number one wide receiver target percentage in the NFL. 71% of the targets in this offense are going to the wide receiver, and the majority of those are going to DeAndre Hopkins. And you can't look for Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds or anybody like that right now. However, that trend is starting to change a little bit. You saw Edmonds get a lot of receptions this past week. If that number continues to tick up, and I think Arizona will look at these and start to understand too, we've got to even things out a little bit. They need to throw the ball to the running back a little bit more if they're going to continue to have success. So that's something to keep in mind. The next one here is the Green Bay Packers. Now, this one's kind of surprising too when you go to the Packers side of things because obviously if you asked who throws the ball to the running back more than anybody, of course you're going to say the New Orleans Saints because Alvin Kamara. But to me, it right. was surprising that the second one on this list was actually the Green Bay Packers. And it's not just because of Aaron Jones. It's also because of Jamal Williams, and it's also because of the need right now. With Alan Lazard out and the recent injuries to Devontae Adams, all of a sudden, this team has changed a little bit. And in this specific matchup this week coming up, where the Tampa Bay Bucks defense has been so good against the run, 
I would look for them to do the exact same thing you saw the Chicago Bears do against them, which is start to throw the football out in the flat a little bit to Montgomery the way they did. I see the same thing going well with Aaron Jones probably in this fo- in this football game. That should be the game plan, and probably Jamal Williams getting involved in that as well. So keep an eye on that because this was one of the more surprising numbers to me. Yeah, and Jamal uh, Williams' last game, I believe he caught eight balls. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just piling up for and that. And he caught and six they don't touchdowns last year, by the way, too. People forget he caught six yeah. touchdowns last year, Jamal Williams. And two years ago, he helped me win a championship when Jones went down. <laughs> so, listen, I got love for Jamal Williams for sure. Uh, we'll see what the Packers end up doing, but I certainly don't have a lot of confidence outside of Adams and their wide receivers right now. I don't even no. know if they have anybody. Uh, okay, now let's take a look at the Raiders. Now, the the one thing with this, Joe, that I would say is that, boy, a lot of these numbers could have gotten skewed a little bit with last week's game because of the amount of you know yards they got, points they got. Mm-hmm. But what does it overall look like with the Raiders so, thus far this year? Well, what it looks like is balance. And you're right. Yes, this past week did change the balance a bit. But because the sample size is larger – it's not enough to really throw things off. Now, what's at stake here with this balance is nobody throws the ball to wide receivers less than the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, last week, that trend started to change. You saw Henry Ruggs catching the football. You've seen Aguilar last couple of weeks catching the football. So now that some of these guys are healthier, now Derek Carr is starting to be more aggressive downfield, that percentage could tick up. But what's so fascinating here is how steady Darren Waller is, too, in this offense. And you look at, they are so high there. They're the second team there in terms of throwing the ball to the tight end position there the only team that does it more is the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey right and the Eagles they're they're kind of in that loop together those three teams but it is an incredibly balanced offense and a balanced attack which I think is a good thing going forward for the Las Vegas Raiders but I don't think it's a good thing for them to be last with wide receivers because eventually what's going to happen is the same thing that happened last year which they get really predictable and if you get really predictable at the end there you know you're just going to run the football and throw to Darren Waller well, all of a sudden, that becomes very easy to scheme against. So this emergence of Henry Ruggs last week, this is imperative because you want to see this number go up from the mid-30s to probably somewhere in the 40s over the next two weeks. And then moving on to our, our final discussion, it's on the New England Patriots. And for a decade, it was just simply always the tight end getting targets. Brady knew Gronkowski. And now, of course, Brady gone and, and Gronk gone as well, both in Tampa Bay And this season, Joe, it simply looks like they don't have a replacement for Gronk, and they're not trying to make one into a replacement either. No, they are just leaving that position go in the offense. They did it last year, and they're just doing it again. They don't have the personnel. Despite drafting two tight ends in the draft, neither of these guys has shown up uh, in terms of pass-catching ability, and neither of them were really drafted for that. One was more of a blocking tight end, and the other, we'll see if Asiasi can develop into something. But so far, it doesn't look like he's even out there. So uh, when you're looking at who's on the lowest tier, you've got the Las Vegas wide receivers, you've got the New England tight end, position and the Tennessee Titans in terms of catching the football it's the running back position now this is fascinating because this number was based on four weeks not five and yesterday all of a sudden as you point out all of a sudden Yeldon had a bunch of receptions so maybe that does change a little bit and maybe he does get a little bit more involved in the offense we will find out uh, I guess the idea is here for the Tennessee Titans we know Derrick Henry is not going to be a reception monster that's just not going to be their mo right what, what Derrick Henry is going to do is allow this offense to continue to push the ball, be physical, and late in games, as you said, he looks so good late in games. And the reason why is because those defenses get tired and nobody wants to tackle that dude. That's the end of the story there. But they do need to get more receptions out of the backfield because, yet again, they're going to start to become one-dimensional. And what you want is a nice balance here 
but you don't want it so balanced like the Las Vegas Raiders are right now, because then again, you become a little bit predictable where they say you can't throw the ball to the wide receivers. We're going to bring up the safeties for blitzes. We're going to just play man coverage because we can. Now, if Henry Ruggs can change that dynamic, that's a huge win for fantasy owners, for Derek Carr, and for the Raiders. But this is kind of interesting to kind of look at what the identities of these offenses are and how they're going to change because kind of to circle back here, the Dallas Cowboys were number one to the wide receivers. What's that going to look like now that Dak Prescott's out there? 50% of the time almost, they're throwing the ball to wide receivers. Is that going to be the case now? Is all of a sudden this offense going to change and they're going to throw the ball more to Zeke or maybe check down to the tight end a little bit more because of where Andy Dalton is at at this stage in his career? It's something to keep an eye on because we have a benchmark now. We have enough data to go off of that we have a better idea of who these offenses are in terms of personality. Now the trick is with injuries and with that data, are they going to make adjustments? And should you make adjustments as fantasy owners too going forward and looking at these percentages kind of in the bigger picture? Yeah, it's always curious to me why Henry doesn't get more catches out of the backfield. It's basically doing catch the same the thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't get why, I don't get why they don't do it. And, and I thought that really they could have done that even more in last night's game because Buffalo basically went into – they lost, and, and their game plan was was wrong, but they went into the game basically saying we're not going to let Henry beat us, and they did a good job. They stopped him in the entire first half, mm-hmm. and, and, and honestly, those numbers in the end were very mediocre, 19 carries, 57 yards, and I, and I think 40 of those were in the second half. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they did a good job, but but, but look, how, how can anybody complain what Tennessee is doing? They're playing great. It's, it's basically being very picky on a team – that looks like one of yeah. the better teams in the NFL. But uh, for fantasy, I think that it would be nice to add some receptions to the total, but simply doesn't get that. All right, Waiver Wire Wednesday is next. Big sure you stay tuned. More fantasy sports today coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Big decisions for a lot of you on this waiver wire Wednesday, getting you ready for football coming up this week. And I got to tell you, it is so nice for me to be able to get a couple extra days to prepare this week and not have to worry about Thursday night football. Uh, You know, I'm warming up more to the idea, Joe, of either having those two games on Monday night or even extending this thing to Tuesday. I know the NFL is not going to do away with Thursday. And if they add, it's going to be an add without a subtraction. But I would would take it in a heartbeat. If they were able to either do two on Monday night or add a game Tuesday – and just get rid of my Thursday night football, I would be so thrilled if, if they if Well, they the players do don't like it. The, the players don't like it either. They hate the short week. They hate everything about it, especially the ones that are traveling. And sometimes they put those in-division games there, which is even worse, where you're like, hey, this game really matters, and we have three days to prepare for it. It's, it's crazy. I, I'm with you. You know how I feel about the double Monday night. I love the double Monday night. Big fan every year of the opener. We had two of them already this year. Uh, but the Tuesday night was kind of a, a fun groove, too, because you can make the argument from a schedule or buy standpoint. If you had a Tuesday night football game, then you could play them again on Monday night and then get back into the Sunday cycle. And all of a sudden, 
things make a little bit more sense there and it's not putting out the teams or the players as much, but yeah, uh, I'm with you. It's uh, <laughs> probably not going to get it, but this year is not the year to judge, but look what we have. I mean, we have two Monday night games this week, a Tuesday night game, no Thursday and Sunday, only two, 4 PM Eastern games Two. I don't ever remember there only being two games. So if that is the point, just may as well slide the games to later on at night, Sunday night or Monday night. I, I don't, I don't follow what they're what they're doing here, but I understand that this is not the year to be critical of it. Just hopefully next year they change it. But okay, now enough of that. Let's go to the waiver wire this week and let's take a look at the possibilities. And uh, Alexander Madison clearly, even even though, uh, look, I mean he, he's got to be owned for me higher than this number. It's like I understand what ESPN's number is, but I, to me it doesn't feel right. But I get it. This is what the ESPN numbers say. I was going to uh, say, Justin you, Jack- can't, you can't make the numbers feel how you want them to feel. The numbers are the numbers. No, I, I, I get it, but I, I got to tell you, if I looked at Yahoo and CBS, the number would be higher overall. I think, but that's that's maybe, just that's my maybe, maybe I'm but, wrong. But, but that, look, that's and 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 look, if you took a hybrid of those numbers and it's fifty percent, because you take the sixty on CBS, you're talking talking about and the 40 on ESPN and the amount of people that play on both it's probably going to marginalize somewhere around 50% anyway yeah. so it's still shocking that's true yeah Justin Jackson of the Chargers are the Chargers off this week do they have a bye uh no they play they this do, week right? now yes they do they okay. are they're they on so they're one of the Monday night games <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to yeah. keep track of the schedule now it's getting harder and Just harder every day, my friend. picking anybody up on a bye you, you know you're sort you're sort of you know spinning your wheels a little bit Gus Edwards is very low owned with Baltimore Ingram interestingly enough they just posted some comments from his press conference before asking about his playing time and he says that he's totally cool with with whatever it is and doesn't care and they're winning so great Matt Breida 28% Howard was inactive last week so this is a name that I definitely would circle as a possibility going forward mm-hmm. and then JD McKissick of Washington I have no interest there but Joe in terms yeah. of these guys Madison is a plug and play and Madison should be a hundred percent started in fantasy leagues so I don't really need to spend too much time on him it would just be doing what everybody else is doing so what about anybody else here well, let me make a correction. The, the Chargers are off this week. They are on the bye, but that means a really good time to get it on Justin Jackson because it's a little cheaper. And next week when they come back following week, they have Jacksonville, which is a really good matchup potentially for him. Um, with Madison, there's already some buzz going around that they might try to play Dalvin Cook, but I don't know, man. That seems like a terrible idea. Nah, but the Vikings that. are desperate. The Vikings are desperate, so don't put anything past them. But even if they do... Madison becomes a, a guy that I think is regardless going to eat in this game. Uh, Gus Edwards is worth a buck right now just to see what happens here. And Matt Breida is the other one, too, that you're starting to see him last week get involved a little bit more. Now, look, everybody got involved. Preston Williams had a huge game. All of a sudden, everybody on Miami looked fantastic. The question is whether or not that carries over. And Antonio Gibson had actually had two good games in a row. And then last week with the change of quarterback and then the injury of quarterback, and the way the defense kind of, well, Aaron Donald basically just sat on Alex Smith for the rest of that game. They really weren't able to do too much else there. So just keep an eye with McKissick, too, because that's the one thing, too, where you know they might start shading him a little bit or maybe getting McKissick a little bit more of a role here against the Giants this week. But for running backs, it's not a great week of pickups. No, uh, but also worth mentioning now at this point that the Jets are, are going to have a starting running back available in, in some leagues. You say Gore Frank is not we're going to break. Oh, Mike, he said it again. And P. Ryan. And P. Ryan. <laughs> Michael P. Ryan. I picked him up for a dollar. I picked P. Ryan. Okay, up. good. I'm glad. I'm very happy for you. I hope it works out. He was, really, great, you have. He was a great Gator. Maybe he'll play. Maybe. Is he bringing the offensive line? <laughs> Maybe he'll play a little bit. You never know. 
You never know. Maybe Let's get to the wide receivers. I don't, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want you to spend too much time. Boy, thinking about I, the I hope back. for your sake, D. Ryan doesn't have a huge week this week against. Why? Miami. I'm not saying he can. I'm just saying I'm not. I hope he. I just said I hope he does. I'm wishing you well. I hope he does. I hope P. Ryan's Very great. Cynical. P. Ryan and Gore. I don't like it. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm cynical there. about the winless Jets. Sorry. I'm cynical. Come about on, the man. Jets. It's fantasy. We don't care. We, we listen. We were starting Alfred <laughs> Morris in fantasy when Washington was 0 15. So hey, he had 13 some, touchdowns his rookie year. <laughs> no, but not. No, I'm talking about 2018 Alfred Morris. Oh, okay. Not, not, <laughs> All right. Alfred, I don't know what, what version we have of Alfred Morris. <laughs> Look, a starting. Maybe the Jets should call Alfred show. Morris right now. Maybe Alfred Morris. Uh, is available. Maybe the Jets my recommendation this week. My recommendation this week is is P Ryan above McKissick and P Ryan above Edwards. The other guys I can't argue with, but I'm going to take a, okay. a dart throw on that guy right. for a dollar. That's fair. Do you fair? Where's he? We picking him up again? All right. Waiver wire for wide receivers. Uh, Claypool, I put a bid in, did not get him, and he was 13% owned, but by tomorrow that'll be half for sure. Mike Williams at 37%, absolutely. Kirk actually had a pretty good game last week. I think a 10-point fantasy game, 41%. Ruggs, his his ownership is moving up. Preston Williams at 29% for Miami. Once every two or three games, Williams has a good game. That's pretty much been his story. Uh, Fulgham on Philadelphia seemed like he had a pretty good thing going. And we're really going to find out this week if he and Wentz are on the same page consistently because now there's video on this kid and teams are going to certainly know who he is going into this week. Reminds me of when Greg Ward went off completely and then Ward's still good, but he's still out there too. He's like 3% owned too, I think. (laughs) And then Visca Chenault of Jacksonville, who's been a nice rookie, I I think, for them Mm -hmm. this year. But again, tough tough to trust the Jacksonville wide receivers at this point. It's It's been hard. So. I, I uh, would look, feel good I about think, the Claypool. Um, sorry, yeah, I would feel good about the Claypool bid this week and being aggressive on it because uh, of one thing: the Cleveland Browns again highest on the chart. They're one of the top five teams in terms of most passing yards against them all season. It's not just because of the Cowboys game. Just to point that out, most teams have thrown on them. The Cowboys game didn't help that stat, but certainly uh, you needed more than just that one game to bump it up that high. Uh, so I think. Claypool could be in for some action again this week, no doubt about it. Mike Williams becomes a really interesting ad this week because, again, the bye week. And we'll see if, indeed, you know Keenan Allen's back is or is not an issue. We'll find out as time goes on. Ruggs is the, another guy that I would absolutely add. He is like that boomer bust Tyree Kill kind of mold guy. So, you know, if he's playing at a flex spot for you and you need a little bit of upside, he could be that guy. Fulgham's done it two games in a row. I think you have to give him some love there. It's a good matchup this week for Preston Williams. If you're just looking for a matchup play, it's not bad. And Chenault's ownership has gone up. Uh, roster percentage has gone up in the last two weeks, too. So we still put him on the list because it's still less than 50. Uh, a couple other guys, too. Alshon Jeffrey, Marquez Valdez-Scantley, and Keelan Cole. Also probably on waiver wires. All of them varying somewhere between 15 and 30% uh, roster percentage. I'd look at all of those guys, too, because eventually if a healthy Alshon Jeffrey can work himself back into this offense, Alshon Jeffrey's a good talent. The problem is he's never healthy. If he's healthy enough to be on the field, he's worth at least a, a dart throw in a deeper league. And MVS might be the last man standing, basically, this week against the Bucks. So, you know, we'll see that Devontae Adams and how things go the rest of this week with practice. But, uh, look, the, the Green Bay Packers had the bye, but coming out of that bye without a significantly healthier Devontae Adams yet, that's a little concerning here for this offense on the road this week. Yeah, hard to believe that he wouldn't play after he said that he could have played last week, but I, I suppose we'll have we'll to see. wait and they see. Haven't, they haven't said it yet. They still have the, the questionable tag on him, so we'll see how time goes here this week of practice. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, and let's do tight end and quarterback here. Jimmy Graham is just the, the touchdown catcher right now for the Bears. He's 40% owned. Irv Smith, who I, I thought Irv Smith was going to be great in the NFL, and he just hasn't got enough opportunities. He's 4% owned. Great college tight end. Uh, Cameron Bray, 2% owned for the Bucks. He'll, of course, be more a part of the game plan. Uh, and I suppose Godwin's injury is, is the big one this week to see if he comes back. As far as quarterback is concerned, we got Cousins at 24%, Carr at 21 and on the move, Fitzpatrick, you know, one game good, one game bad. And then Dalton, I'm going to guess Andy Dalton's going to be started by a lot of fantasy teams this week, Joe. The people are going to throw that dart and think, okay, like even if he's not 480 yards and five touchdowns, if he's 306 and two, he's probably still worth starting. Probably. And look, I, I think it's hard to think that Kirk Cousins isn't worth starting this week against the Falcons. I mean, look, everybody against the Falcons is putting up yards. Just look at the stats. I mean, they're the worst. You talk about the Browns before being high on that trough. Well, nobody's higher than the Falcons. <laughs> the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys, Falcons, those are the teams you want to target against because they're just giving up a ton of points and a ton of yards through the air. So that's going to benefit him. Uh, Fitzpatrick has a good matchup this week against the Jets. So in terms of streaming quarterbacks, for those of you who you know had a Dak Prescott injury or have people on a bye this week, they there's some bodies out there, at least, that could potentially be helpful. Um, and look, in Superflex, Andy Dalton is going to get picked up because people want to see, can this offense support fantasy points even with Andy sure. Dalton? Because the talent, this is elite-level talent. Let's let's like no mistake about the Cowboys' offense right now. When you've got Cooper, Zeke, CeeDee Lamb, who looks like an absolute star five weeks into the season, and then you've got Michael Gallup, who, by the way, oh, he just had 1,000 yards last year. That is an incredible onset of weapons. And the tight end, Dalton Schultz, who's pretty good. Look, Andy Dalton, I don't want to say it's too big to fail, but Andy Dalton should theoretically be able to get some fantasy points with this offense. We'll see if it comes to fruition or not. And in terms of the tight ends, you're right about Irv Smith. This was kind of the most recent thing that we actually got to see him get involved. It wouldn't shock me to see him get involved in this game either. That's another streaming tight end. If you're having some issues there, you have some bye weeks or injuries. Uh, Jimmy Graham is there for the touchdown. And Cameron Brait, who was hurt going into this season, but apparently had really good rapport at times with Tom Brady and practices and things like that, and they seem to be like a favorite guy of his. Keep an eye on this relationship because the last two weeks has been good. Two weeks ago he caught a touchdown. Last week he just caught more balls with the Godwin injury, with the O.J. Howard injury. Scotty Miller's been banged up. All of a sudden there's a little bit more opportunity for Brait, and Brait is always a guy historically that shows up in the red zone, and that's where Tom Brady likes to go with the football historically, not just the guys like Gronk, but – he would always look for Ben Watson or whoever that tight end is when he is not you know, running that play action there and going through. That's who he's looking for, the tight end. So don't be shocked if Cameron Brait's out there. And he's an intriguing you know, uh, punt this week on FanDuel, too, at the tight end position because I think he brings some touchdown upside this week. Do you have Matt Ryan in any fantasy league? I do. In fact, I've got Matt Ryan on the same flex league with this championship belt behind me here. Or sorry, over there. So what are you uh, doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, well, I've got Dak Prescott and Matt Ryan. So right now I'm going to – I have no choice. I have to start Matt Ryan. He's got the Vikings this week. But how about these uh, names that we just gave out here? Over well, Matt in this Ryan. league, all those guys – my third quarterback, unfortunately, in that league was Sam Darnold. So he's hurt. So that's not going to help me this week. So I'm going to have to go to the Andy Dalton well and try to pick him up. That's what I'm going to have to do. But would you start Dalton over Ryan? No, I have to start two quarter. It's a super flex format. That way, okay, I have both so those guys. Let me ask the question again. If you're playing in a league like most of the world, where you're mm -hmm. only playing one quarterback, and these I four quarterbacks are over him, Kirk Cousins, Cousins Clark, I would start over him. Patrick, no. uh, only Cousins, probably, probably, uh, definitely Cousins. It's a really good question. Definitely Cousins. How about uh, Carr? Is right on the border. Stafford, yes, that's a really good matchup. Uh, Jacksonville defense is not very good either. So I, 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 I would take uh, in the only league 
I'm in, um, me and my partner, we have Ryan. We're starting to think that we may have to start preparing for somebody else here. Well, at least there's some options this week. Here's a, look, you have to look at the totals, too, of these games. Some of those games you just mentioned all have totals in the mid-50s. The Jacksonville game, the the Minnesota game uh, yeah. with against Atlanta. So I think you're looking for the totals, and you're just trying to hit that as hard as you can. I know, but the totals have been high on all the Falcons games, and Ryan isn't doing anything. It's been burning. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying for Cousins. Okay, we'll have fantasy trivia next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. If we told you this time last year, October 14th, 2019, that Joe Flacco and Frank Gore would both be starting for the same team in 2020, you would have said no way. But here we are as Sam Darnold is out this week for the New York Jets. They will start Joe Flacco. And of course, with letting go of Le'Veon Bell, looks like Frank Gore starting running back there, Joe. So uh, turn back the clock week for the New York Jets for sure. Maybe Keyshawn can play wide receiver for them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man find, find some old wide receiver to stick in there too uh okay so let's do some trivia here as we end hour number one all right so uh who's airing it out who's throwing the football deep well let's find out here who has the higher yards per attempt average in 2020 of these three quarterbacks is it a rookie upstart justin Herbert? is it b mvp of the super bowl patrick mahomes or cam newton of the New England Patriots, Greg, who is has more or the highest, excuse me, yards per attempt. I'm going to say A, Justin Herbert. That is correct. He is number one. He is fifth overall, 8.5. Who is second? You want to take a crack at that? Cam Newton. That is correct. Cam Newton is second here. Patrick Mahomes is actually third behind Newton. Now, granted, one less game, but still kind of surprising there of where Mahomes ranks because you have this idea that, oh, well, Mahomes can air it out and throw the ball all the way downfield all the time and all this stuff. Well, if you look at the stats and how that's out there, he's 15th overall. So Patrick Mahomes, maybe it's time for him to start throwing the ball downfield a little bit, a little bit more Tyree Kill, a little bit more explosiveness. Let's see it, Patrick Mahomes. Let's go. Where's Miko Hardman? Let's get these guys going here. Run amok all over everybody else. You can. You should. Go do it. But, yeah, Justin Herbert, man, just another kind of stat there. It makes you stop and think about how good he's been. Top five overall in yards per attempt. So it's not just these dinking and doinking guys to death. This guy's for real. He is throwing the ball with authority, and he is putting his, his team at least in position to win games. I don't think it's all his fault that they're not. No, and he has, but also there's been a couple of 80-yard touchdowns for him, too. So I think that the numbers are a little bit skewed there. That that one guy, I don't even know his name, and then Williams had the uh, 80-yard touchdown there. Uh, also, Davis Maddock, when I was doing the radio uh, fantasy football show, mm-hmm. was just pounding me Cole Hardman and said, if anybody gets hurt, this guy is going to play. Well, we're going to find out this week. I got him in both my leagues, so hopefully that comes true. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 